speaking on podcasts is not just about getting you in the spotlight. It's about leveraging different platforms to grow your network, reach your audience, and expand your healthcare business. In today's episode, we'll discuss nine tips to create an evergreen marketing strategy where you can have a bootstrap budget for a millionaire marketing. Healthcare entrepreneurs, are you ready to rewrite the rules for your business so you can have more time off, a great team, and more income while creating a positive social impact? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to the Provider's Edge. I'm your host, Sabrina Rombach. I am a provider, an international peak performance keynote speaker, and a best-selling author. Let's open the gateway to profitability for you today. My guests and I help healthcare entrepreneurs and startup founders like you break through barriers so you can control your business, control your life, and control your future. This is your defining moment to be a disruptor in healthcare. Welcome back for another episode. I'm your host, Sabrina Rumbach. And today we have Jennifer Longmore here with us. She is the CEO of Podcast Connector, connecting visionary and new thought leaders with aligned podcasts. And it's also, she is a 10 time best-selling author and thought after media personality. She knows the importance of a quick establishing oneself as the leading authority to build credibility, attract more media, and attract more aligned clients. She's also passionate about providing high-level platform expanding services to experts with a mission to change the world who simply need to get their amazing messages in front of those who need to hear it. Jennifer is also a serial entrepreneur, investor, and board advisor to various conscious apps in her spare time. When it's not <laughs> coaching and teaching time, she is loving to spend time with her family, hiking, enjoying martial arts with her husband, and mining for crystals with her son. And she was just sharing some fun trips with me right before the show. So I'm so excited to have you, Jennifer. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited. Plus, oh my goodness, let's talk about this set that you have. It is stunning. I need to take some tips from you. So (laughs) we are going to get on that. Well, no, the tr- a big transition for us all to start talking online and some people have their drop down, right? It was like a fabric, it was a plate, whatnot. I end up taking different advantages of my connections. People who are film artists, people who do design work and then figuring out lighting. So my setup is actually really easy. I paint my office to this shade of dark blue that match some of the accents around the house. And then also blue is one of my brand color. And then just shine the light. And really like having those lights has been great. So yeah, this is my easy setup. and actually not a virtual setup. <laughs> <laughs> I, I One time I saw someone's background. And it was a stunning living room. I was like, after we were done, I said, 
you have to tell me, did you design this yourself? It is amazing. She said, no, it's a Zoom background. <laughs> oh my goodness, I had no idea. <laughs> we tried to do some backgrounds, some of those virtual ones, and then they ended up just the coloring, you know, depending on the lighting when you're doing, you know, lighting in your office, right? It doesn't always match, but you're inspiring me is my point to get back back on it and have someone set up something really pretty in the back because we do spend a lot of time on camera, right? Uh, especially in the world we're living in now. And so it is nice to, I, I do think it it puts a nice bow on it, so to speak, right? When when it looks like we've got the whole package together. So exactly. And this, especially today, we're talking about visibility and really show yourself with the world as that credible authority and where you are creating this amazing social impact in the healthcare space, you cannot be a hidden best gem. And we mm -hmm. wanted to make sure you're not a hiding secret. We wanted to get the message out. But when we are speaking, when we're talking, we know people learn by visual. They see who we are and they are already formulating an idea about who we are. And therefore, we have to put our best foot forward. And a lot of uh, nowadays, we talk about professionalism. It's not just Hey, sitting in your bedroom, putting up your computer and just have a chat. Now, yeah, we understand some people don't have the ability to do that. But as we have been through COVID for the past two years, there's no more excuse of just sit there in a dark corner. Um, <laughs> we should be able to represent ourselves, uh, whether it's in your office, in a beautiful living room or something that just simply works, right? You will never know if there's a mess around you from a TV. You just needed to have your little box that looks pretty. But that also means we can deliver it with such confidence and boost that's appealing to other people and make you feel good too. So I love uh, Jennifer being here. She's been serial entrepreneur has been leading various different ways in media. And then I would love to hear your journey. How did you kind of land into this area of running one of the biggest uh, pockets booking agency? Uh, well, it's a long and winding road. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, when I, well, I started my business, I was working forensic. I was a forensic investigator. I was doing a lot of you know, manifestation classes and or teaching them, I mean, right. And teaching people the power of intention and various things like that. And, and a lot of intuitive sort of stuff. And so I couldn't really be going to trade shows and all the kind of things you do when you're first marketing your business, right. Because I didn't know who I was going to run into. And I also couldn't really risk ruining the credibility of my testimony. I was an expert witness and, and the companies that I worked for, because it's pretty finicky business, so to speak. So I took a lot of clients privately, but then when I decided to be in it full time, this was before social media existed. Websites weren't even really a thing. Back then, people just kind of trusted you. They just went into a directory or the yellow pages truly and looked you up, right? And so I knew that I had to check a lot of boxes really quickly. I don't know how I knew that other than I knew that if I borrowed other people's stages, now today it's about podcasts and things like that, right? But at the time I was borrowing other people's stages mainly with rec centers and colleges and stuff that had adult education, more of that, you know, like fluffy, come and learn how to 
you know, do your neurology or then like, you know, learn how to meditate. But what would happen is these were in big cities and so they would print these catalogs. They had an online presence too, but they print catalogs and your name, depending on how many times you were teaching for them, would be blast to up to 8 million people, right? In Toronto, it was like 8 million people that would get these catalogs, not to mention what was online. And as we know, when people see your name a few times, they feel like they're seeing it all the time. So it only took about three months of me doing that before people would come up to me all over the place on the street. You're Jennifer Longmore. I see you all the time. And they assume that you're successful. Not that I was trying to manipulate, right? It's just kind of how the brain works. I didn't really understand the power of that time at the time, but people just assumed I was successful because I was everywhere. And if you're everywhere, then you can't really be there unless you've got a successful company is what the brain thinks, right? So not only was I borrowing these stages from a marketing perspective, I was going and speaking there for free. Some of these places like the learning annex and stuff would pay me a stipend, but I was allowed to promote myself at the end. I always do a soft sell. Even now, I'm not a big run to the back of the room person. And, uh, and sure enough, people would take my business cards. And before I knew it very quickly, I had to have satellite offices all over the place because so many people wanted to book sessions and come to classes. And uh, I grew very quickly, but part of it was borrowing these stages. But the other part is it's inherent in the brain. When you're watching someone on stage, you already assume they're an expert. They may not be, but you assume they are, right? So you're building, you're shortening that gap of, of complete stranger to know, like, and trust and shortening the gap between you're a novice to, oh, you're a leader. You actually know your stuff. And when people see you in action and they get a chance to see, uh, you know, whether they resonate with you or not, and whether you're someone that can help them, all of a sudden, they're coming to you and saying, you know, whatever. So I was getting a lot of speaking reels, it was very efficient, I was getting a lot of speaking reels, I was getting a lot of free promotion. And uh, that first, I would say, probably five years of business, I was completely referral based after that, I couldn't even do as many gigs, because I just at the time, I didn't know how to leverage myself, right? Because I was just literally flowing or flinging spaghetti against the wall. Uh, like many of us do when we first start a company, right? Oh, let's see if this works. Oh, that didn't work. Oh. I was totally bottlenecked in my company. So I couldn't, you know, in hindsight, I would have done it differently, but it is what it is. So that was kind of the gist of it. And then I started my own radio show and then I did a different radio show. And then I got into media and started doing terrestrial radio and doing a lot of TV interviews and stuff like that. Started preparing for various TV shows, meaning like me hosting TV shows. And so I learned a lot about pitching. I learned a lot about pitching mainly because of how people pitched me, right? There were some really bad pitches from some very high profile people that should have known better. I was a little embarrassed for them. Now, I don't know if someone was pitching for them and they were just, you know, using that person's name or what, but you and I know this and I know everyone listening knows this. Like, I don't care if you're a New York Times bestselling author and you want to come on my podcast, like, tell me why, tell me how you're going to add value to my community that I adore. I built my audience uh, with love and I spend a lot of time, money and energy building my audience and pouring into them. Like, you've got to tell me what kind of value you're going to add, right? Because it's not about you, actually. It's about the audience. If you're truly of service, you're showing up to add value to the audience. And a lot of people don't know that. So uh, then I, being a savvy CEO who wasn't always good at delegating and really bottlenecked, as I mentioned, always doing the stuff that I didn't even know I could delegate when I really started to understand what I could truly delegate versus what I thought I could, what I thought I had to do on my own. I used to pitch myself all the time and I would get booked all the time. But then I realized that's a pretty low dividend activity for me. And so I started delegating it. So I started hiring companies that pitch and some of them guarantee and some of them don't. So I learned a lot about what unknowingly, I learned a lot about 
what uh, what kind of company, like what the structure is of those kind of companies that makes me want to be a customer. And so when my client was selling the podcast connector, well, she actually wasn't sure she was going to sell it. She's like, I'm either, I'm done with it. I'm either walking away from it at the end of the month or I'm selling it. And, I, and I'm like, I forbid you for walking away. Like I was joking, right? But um, it had a lot of good bones to it. And I know how to grow companies really quickly. I was already a customer of the podcast connector. And I thought, okay, well, there's some tweaks I'll make. One is that we're not just going to pitch people. We're going to guarantee bookings because we shouldn't be taking anyone's money if we don't feel confident. It's our job to be the expert. So I shouldn't be taking people's money unless I'm confident that I can pitch you well, right? And if I can't, then I'm going to guide you about what things you need to have in place to come back so that we can easily pitch you, right? And uh, and as you know, Sabrina, we've just started... Um, offering pitching to speaking gigs as well. Now this won't be TEDx stages, right? And it's not going to be paid to speak gigs either, but it'll be aligned and, um, you know, high profile speaking gigs, right? Like there's certain tiers of speaking. I think everyone wants to get on the big stages. Like you kind of have to, there, there's some establishing that you have to do, but it's actually quite easy to get on other stages that are always looking for for people, right? Some of those will be virtual. Some of those will be in person, but all of that to say that when we're borrowing other people's stages, and like I said, I learned that very early on just by trial and error. Leveraging other people's stages and podcasts is an invaluable strategy for growing a healthcare practice. It offers the ability to get your message out far beyond the physical boundaries of your current circle. Plus, it offers you numerous synergies to bring even more attention to your business. For example, having one episode aired to a wide audience can open doors down the line as colleagues, partners, and vendors pay attention and decide if they want similar exposure to their business or products. This type of exposure creates long-lasting search engine optimization SEO in five years. Those who listen now can still take away something from the podcast broadcast today. So don't limit yourself by thinking that you don't have anything meaningful to say on a global level. No matter how small, everyone has something valuable to contribute. Here's something to remember if your inner critic is getting in the way of applying to speak on stages and podcasts. You are the expert. People trust your knowledge and advice. Someone out there is actively seeking guidance from you and until you come out of hiding, they can get the help they need. If you're able to motivate yourself to get out there based on your goals, then think about the impact you stand to make when you take a chance on yourself. If you liked today's episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues who are also healthcare leaders. They will appreciate you for supporting their professional lives. Now, let's get back to the rest of our exciting show. We were able to do a lot very quickly because colleagues are watching us, other vendors are watching us, other podcast hosts and speaking agents are watching us, uh, publishing houses are watching us, right? There's a lot of SEO that gets created from podcasts. Those things live on forever, right? So in five years, someone can still listen to this podcast right now and get value from it, hopefully, <laughs> right? Uh, and so I'm I'm a big proponent in that. And 
And like you, Sabrina, I know that you get that visibility can kick up a lot of issues in people's tissues. Do I have anything worthwhile to say? Or what will people think of me? Or what if I screw up? Or what if I'm not perfect? Or it's already been said, what can I possibly add to the conversation? There's all kinds of cute little monkey mind things that we'll throw in there. But there's only one of us. And there's only, we might be saying seemingly the same thing as other people, but we say them in our own unique way and it's going to land differently if people resonate with us, right? And so we just keep showing up. Exactly. And I think you touch up on many major points is that um, when we are leveraging media, other people's stages, that's actually you start building a relationship with that host, with the event planner. And yes, uh, for other people, when you're on stage uh, on a show, they already have a degree of trust with that host. And therefore, mm-hmm. they are trusting the host to select you as the expert. So mm-hmm. even though they have no idea who you are, that familiarity bias gave you a little boost up. And mm-hmm. not just to say, hey, I met someone at a networking event do you know XYZ people that I should really meet, right? That's the immediate exposure. And that's the exposure to potentially hundreds of thousands of people, whoever's following and having the download number for that show. And something else that I definitely also teach my uh, clients of these healthcare entrepreneurs who are ready to be known right? Having bigger impact for people to uh, really support them on their mission. Now, it's on building those relationships, not just to leverage other people's stage and be done with it. You should become in partnership. How are you creating women's situations? And uh, in those situations, it could be that the host love to have item reviews or even LinkedIn reviews recommendations. Um, how else can you support them by bringing in more listenership or other ways that they really truly want to be supported? And I think that's uh, one thing when we get these bad pitches to be on the show and then you have seen I feel like these uh, people have no idea what's being pitched. And sometimes they have something that has nowhere near what that show is about, and they just blindly doing it. And Mm -hmm. I even have getting, even my show that we rebranded, have a new name, and they were still using a name that had uh, more than a year ago. So when people are not paying attention to detail and those people represent you, that is not a good image. So we have to be very clear on how are we showing up in the world, uh, both in person and online. Um, There are certain things we should say and should not say. Uh, That's beyond uh, how we look, how we leverage our body language, how we are confident in our delivery system. It's a process to really show up in the media. But as the process grow, I remember back in the day when I started years back, I will have bullet points right on the side and then trying to even wrote out my whole speech before I film something or go on a stage. But nowadays I just have a few things on the slide where sometimes you just free talk because you know it's within you. It just needed to have a trigger, the right audience, the right question to bring that out of you. And instead of worrying so much about what people are going to judge us from what we said, it's really about the message that people need to hear. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And uh, I love that you share that, you know, it's from from owning this company and and I already would have had insight, but, um, you know, it's it's I have a duty of care to everyone that we're serving. Right. And uh, and the host, we don't they don't pay us to pitch to them. They're getting a great deal. Right. Because we're actually helping them. I mean, they're helping us. Don't get me wrong, but we're bringing them high quality people that are going to share their interviews and they're getting essentially free marketing from that. Right. But we have a growing list of, I think we're up to about 5,000 very highly curated podcast hosts in all kinds of different industries at this point. And if we don't have them, like, let's say someone's in a very niche industry, we'll go find them. Like we know how to do our research, right? As someone that was a consumer of the service, I would be mortified if I saw some of the pitches that I get. And I know you get Sabrina, right? Because you assume someone's an extension of your brand and representing you in a way that's reflective of whatever. So when I get pitches for like, insurance brokers to come on my seven figure club podcast when they haven't really paid attention to how I do it. And I can tell they're just pitching, right. And just again, throwing spaghetti at the wall. I know it's not the person doing that. Meaning like the the person that's being represented, I know they have no idea how they're being represented, but they're paying that company good money to pitch them. And if they're paying a company that's only pitching, all you have to do is show you pitch, right. And pitches mean nothing to me as a customer. I don't, need you to pitch me. I need you to get me on shows. That's what I need you to do, right? And so therefore I need you to pitch me successfully. Having a successful podcast appearance isn't just about having a great conversation during the episode. It's also important to develop a genuine professional partnership with the host afterwards. A great way to further nurture this relationship is to leave a review on LinkedIn or podcast streaming platform after the show airs. By taking five minutes out of your day to do so, you can give your partner the validation they need and show them that you truly care about their success. The extra effort will not go unnoticed and will create an even stronger connection between yourself partner. Now, as the owner of a podcast pitching company, and by the way, I have my company pitch me still for my other companies, right? (laughs) Because (laughs) like, of course, I'm going to take advantage of that service. But you know, we, we need to make sure that we're keeping the host suite on us so that we can keep pitching people to them. So we're not sending them people that are going to be one sided in their conversation or being takers, like you're kind of alluding to, right? Or uh, people that don't really value relationships, right? Like I know, you and I are very similar, I really prefer relational transact or relational um interactions, I don't appreciate transactions. I don't, I get that sometimes transactions are necessary, right? But um, really what this is all about and what I love about what you do and what you teach, because most people don't teach this is, okay, great. You went on the podcast. Now what, right? How are you going to leverage that relationship? Because we know business is all about relationships. It doesn't matter what business you're in. Everything is relationship. So uh, when there's an opportunity to keep the conversation going with a host or to look at how else can you love them up and how can you, it takes two minutes to leave a LinkedIn review. It takes, you know, a LinkedIn review and an iTunes review. Like you can review, you know, in five or six different spots in like five minutes and that's nothing, right? It's nothing for us. Five minutes, it's everything for the host because if they get, you know, 50 of those in a month, right? Like, wow, that's 
that's going to be doing a lot for that show. And then on top of that, it serves you because if you've been interviewed on that show, you're only adding to getting more exposure on that show anyways, right? When the SEO increases and stuff. And I know we don't do it for that reason, but the person that I bought the podcast company from, I was on her podcast. I was pitched by a different company to go on her podcast. She checked me out and she decided that she wanted to hire me to be her coach. So at the end of our interview, she said, do you you have a few minutes? I said, sure. You had no idea what was coming. And she said, I want to work with you. Here's my budget. How can we work together? And I said, well, uh, that's great. Let me put put together a proposal for you. And we started, I think maybe even that week. And she's been a client of mine for a few years. She started the podcast connector and she had it for about six months before I even knew she had it as a company. She just never brought it to any coaching calls with me, right? So all of a sudden she said, you know, I I don't think I'm... She had a lot going on. It's not that she didn't like what she did, but she's very established in the podcast world. So people kept going to her and saying, hey, can you hook me up with this person? And then she thought, wow, this is taking a lot of time. I'm going to start charging people money to get them pitched on podcasts, right? And then it actually became an official company that's now you know got a registered trademark and so on. You know, you never know what's going to happen with the host is what I'm saying, right? Uh, Because they're running a podcast because they want to help people. It's always a given that we want to help people when we're doing podcasts. And then from a business perspective, we're wanting to market our company, right? And we're wanting to add value and create more visibility and create more traction for ourselves, right? So how can we all play together to make it really, you know, beneficial for everyone, like you said, and make it a win-win-win for everyone? Right, exactly. It's just like many... Speakers that I interview, they're healthcare professionals and found a problem within the space and therefore they built a program, a technology, a some type of solution for that problem. And then they start uh, seeing, oh, I actually enjoy speaking about it. I can teach about this topic. So they start getting on to podcasts or other media resources and they start seeing um, good growth from that. And because we know uh, statistics have shown us people who are podcast listeners, the majority of them have at least college degree. So that also shown these are intelligent people. And it also... Uh, help us to know that uh, when we are outreaching, uh, what are the audience? Who are them that can best convert into the client to us? And uh, based on what we're doing, podcasting has been a great platform. Just like when people are very heavily, like myself, leveraging LinkedIn to repurpose my podcast, to uh, to turn it into my TV show reruns. And because we know LinkedIn, same thing, uh, majority of people have high-level education and mm-hmm. uh, people are actually see it as a professional platform. Uh, they're going there to connect and learn just like what podcast does. And then definitely, uh, Jennifer, I wanted to hear your perspective on on why picking podcasting versus uh, doing TV segments versus uh, print publications, uh, other things out there. Mm -hmm. You know, I, having done a lot of that stuff, there's some automatic authority building, right? That happens when you have little fancy icons beside your name, like little, you know, Good Morning America or the Today Show or things like that, right? It can give you a lot of street cred. uh, And people just tend to listen a little bit more because truly having been on some big TV shows, they do vet you. They want to know that you've got an education. They want to know that you have a following that people actually enjoy hearing from you. They're not purchased followers, let's say on Instagram, like you have real people engaging you. 
because they have a duty of care to their audience who trust them. They have a duty of care to their uh, all of the companies that pay for commercial spots right on their shows uh, to only be bringing guests on that are are going to be high quality and and basically not problematic, right? Like finding out that someone's uh, convicted criminal or you know like whatever the case may be, right? Or that they actually are who they say they are to the best of their ability. So there is, you know, and sort of, I'll say mid-range TV shows, they might do a bit of research on you, but they're just happy to fill the spots. They've got to fill the spots to justify the ads. It's oh, It doesn't matter whether it's newspaper or TV or whatever, they've got to justify the ads then, right? And, and create fillers. And so they need us, right? There's content that's needed because they have to uh, entertain their audience. But once you're getting into the, I'll say those A-level media spots, you know, the Today Show, Good Morning America, the social, um, the talk, whatever the the shows are, they really vet you. You have to do a lot of prep work. Uh, you do a lot of rehearsal with the hosts. Like you have to do a lot of pretend segments. The producers really code, like it's hours, right? Before the actual show airs. And, uh, and so that's great for them. And, but then you have to know what to do with that, right? Because those things don't let, those things aren't cataloged the same way that podcasts are right? Like podcasts are much easier to find. They live on forever. People are going to research them based on topic specific things. So personally, I can keep all the snippets from TV shows and put it on my LinkedIn profile, put it on my website, whatever. And I can also send it to other TV shows and say, Hey, look, I actually can do a pretty decent interview on TV, right? So it secures me more spots. But there's, I feel like there's a more immediate conversion when you're on podcasts, especially if you're on highly curated ones, right? Where you're getting on ones that are related to the people that you would typically want to speak with. When you're on TV, everyone's watching you. doesn't mean there aren't people watching you that can't do business with you, right? I think there's some people that probably convert better than others on the spot. So the media, oh, and the other thing is the media is looking for very... um, current events, right? So let's say when Brad and Angelina broke up, I don't know why I'm using that, but you know, they're going to be instantly sort and they have a, they have a database of relationship coaches and dating coaches that always come on and drop everything at the last minute to come on their show. And they're going to bring that person on and say, you know, why did this relationship break up? And what are your top tips for people to find the love of their life or however they're going to do it? But it's very topic specific when the queen or sorry, when Prince Harry and Meghan were getting married. I only know this because I was in the green room with a butler and I, the butler was going on after me. I was talking about something completely different, but then they brought this butler on from an actual butler school. By the way, everyone, you, you probably didn't know they have butler training school. And I'm telling you, they are amazing. And I could tell right away. I'm like, you have got like just the way he carried himself. I'm like, you definitely are a butler. And I think I might want to hire you one day. Uh, but anyways, they brought him on for five weeks in a row to do various etiquette, royal etiquette things. So that day he had this beautiful platter and he was teaching the hosts or what, or observing how the hosts would have drank tea with the queen to, to evaluate them and tell them what they were doing right and what they were doing wrong in order for the queen to feel that they were worthy to have tea with them. And they were just playing up this whole thing. So it's very current events based for the most part, right? And that's great. So if you're a financial advisor and they're like, okay, it's tax season, everyone, how can you keep some more money in your pocket? you're probably going to get business from that. If you're a dating coach, if you're a a personal trainer, it's, we know this time of year, people are all about the weight, lose weight, get your bikini body, whatever. Um, When you're a health nutritionist on there or a personal trainer or whatever, you're probably going to get immediate business. But on podcasts, they're more evergreen. 
Yes, they can be topic specific, of course, but they're more evergreen topics, right? So you might have someone come on, Sabrina, that says, here are the top five ways to pitch yourself for free on a podcast, right? That is always going to be a relevant topic, or at least for the foreseeable future. And it's something that's easily searched. It's something that's easily searched in the search engines and, um, and it helps with your SEO. So Correct. it's, it's a little easier to travel your signature talk around right? When you're on a podcast, it's more challenging to do that on the media because they have to keep tying it into what do people care about right now? And what are the current events that the media has to fill? Because they're usually having to fill a category for health and beauty, for entertainment, for politics, for, you know, health. I, there's a gazillion, right? But you get what I'm saying. Whereas podcasts, I mean, you can talk, you could talk about, I don't know, like porcelain dolls. They're probably, I bet you there's probably a podcast on porcelain dolls and they're going to have experts on how to paint the eyes properly or how to get the hair. Who knows, right? But there will be something for everyone on a podcast that you're just not going to see on major media because they're only focused on how do we keep people sweet on us so we have enough viewers live so that our advertisers can still see if they want to spend billions of dollars a year with us using their commercials to promote their stuff while our show is airing. Exactly. And if you think about uh, healthcare in general, um, you're growing both your relationship with other subspecialties, other uh, individual practitioners, uh, and cross-refer uh, patients to you. And you can also get on these 300 plus uh, healthcare shows that are already have a following ship, whether they're a physician targeted or patient targeted. So now you know which area you should be speaking with and then how to address those problems that you're solving. And that's a much more, a better way uh, for the existing audience who are already the people you need to talk to. Uh, but if on TV or major print, it could be really any local magazine. So your reach is not exactly the right reach versus very targeted direction into speaking with the people that you need to speak with. And that's what mm -hmm. podcasts really can do for us. Mm -hmm. And there's just so many different strategies, of course. And then as we're, uh, we keep our show short. So <laughs> hopefully you guys got a little bit of taste. Um, I've been talking about leveraging media for a while. Uh, it's not just about leveraging media. It's about building right relationship and continue mm -hmm. to nurture those relationships with the host, with the audience. And then uh, as a, one of the studies saying, people need to hear from you for seven hours before they convert into someone uh, mm. become a client or trust you, right? Uh, and that's another way to attract the right people to our corner, whether they become a client, a referral partner, or team member. And we need to be able to do the best we can to really validate who we are, keep the core of how we want to show up to people, and then do a, a from a media perspective. Uh, because uh, as Jennifer says, this these things are evergreen. So they can be picked up years later and people will still say, oh yeah, I heard you on this, right? And mm -hmm. just like many people have uh, come to me of uh, saying that, hey, yeah, I've been, I've been listening to your show or I love what you've been uh, posting and been following for a while. Now we know even people who are not clicking on everything, they're not liking and commenting, things are still being seen. So it's okay. Don't worry about the uh, vanity metrics. It's about 
the massive exposure that we can get and creating the right relationship with the right circle. So I so appreciate you, Jennifer, for being here. What's the best way people can get in touch with you? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's so much to say and yet you know, we can, we've kind of said enough at this point, right? So what I'm going to recommend actually is we have a free resource right on our website, the podcastconnector.com, and there's an ultimate pitching toolkit. So we're, we've literally put templates in there, sample templates of how you can pitch yourself to shows and how you can do the research and how you can get clear on, well, what is the message I'm going to be traveling around uh, for people that want to do it on their own. And then of course, once you're on that site, if you realize like I would and many CEOs, like, oh my God, I'm not, I, I'm going to tell myself I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to hire someone else to do it. As I mentioned, we guarantee bookings and uh, we're very affordable. So you're welcome to apply as well. But if you just go to the podcastconnector.com, we've got a lot of cool things on there. Plus we have a podcast with things like, you know, how to be a great podcast guest. And we give people a lot of really high value tips. So uh, because we, we really want to be of service. We want the messengers to get out there and be able to help way more people. And so we want to set people up for success. Yes, everyone go to podcastconnector.com. I have attended Jennifer's launches where she teaches on her team, teaches on how to podcast and based on her price and uh, uh, who I have hired personally from PR agencies. They're definitely one of the most affordable and result driven team out there. And I appreciate you guys for joining us until next week. In today's episode, we discuss the nine tips to grow your business in the healthcare space through podcast appearances. If you stayed tuned to this episode, most likely you have a natural curiosity and love for podcasts to the point of envisioning yourself, promoting your messages and your healthcare business on a few of them. To recap, number one, Podcasts offer a great opportunity to nurture your platform and spread your expertise far and wide. By focusing on creating interesting and engaging content, you can leverage media by using podcasts as an evergreen strategy that people can enjoy today, tomorrow, and five years from now. It's also an incredible, powerful tool when it comes to SEOs too. The continued outreach of your content over time enables even more people to discover it, adding increased value to both your platform and your effort in the long run. Number two, speaking on podcasts can be daunting and it's easy to become overwhelmed with the idea of competing with so many other experts out there and second-guessing what special perspective you can offer. But don't let that stop you because everyone has valuable knowledge to contribute and a whole lot of helpful experience that they can share. Your story and your experience is unique even if it might appear similar to somebody else's on the surface. Also, as an expert, you are in the perfect position to give people the motivation and guidance they need. Remember, your voice is important and really needed in this space. You have a lot to bring to the table. Number three, Developing a powerful pitch not only provides you with the opportunity to be heard and make valuable connections, it's 
also a great way to show off your expertise. When you are crafting your pitch, remember it's not about money or making yourself look good. It's about giving back to the community by providing helpful information. Though it can take time and effort to craft an effective pitch, it will pay off in the end when you have the chance to present what you know and share your unique insights on podcasts and stages. Number four, utilizing brand ambassadors from your team or third-party resources is a great way to spread your messages, especially with the right fit. It's important to make sure their tone and attitude aligns with your company's value and ethos. Remember, they are speaking on your behalf and giving the audience an impression on what it's like to work with you. Make sure they have a good understanding of all that goes into representing your brand accurately. When choosing an ambassador for podcast appearances, take some time to consider everything from topic handling to preparational tools so that you can confidently trust that they are putting forth a quality presentation of the type of business you run. Number five, podcasts have become a powerful platform for reaching an engaged audience who are vivid listeners. Research has shown that podcast listeners are predominantly educated with at least a college degree in hand. This smart and intellectual group is always looking to take in new information and expand their knowledge. Because of this, podcasts can provide an ideal outlook to reach this unique group. Appealing to their curiosity and providing them feel for developing new ideas or reinforcing existing ones. Number six, media resources might conduct some research about you before giving you the green light to share the stage with you. This research will involve checking for any relevant qualifications, certifications, as well as looking at the number of followers that you have. This is also that media resources can confirm your identity as well as guarantee the quality of the content being produced. Number seven, showing your gratitude to a podcast host is an incredible, powerful way to express your appreciation and build a strong business relationship. It doesn't take long either. Five minutes of your time can make a huge difference. Think about writing them a linking recommendation or leaving them a podcast review. It might seem to be small, but you never know what it could result in down the road. Number eight. After you successfully recorded your podcast appearance, you can use them to create a larger impact and maximize the reach of both your personal brand as well as that of your business. By sharing them on platforms like LinkedIn and adding them to your website, more people can be exposed to the expert insights that you provided in the podcast episode, leading to better engagement and conversion rates. Studies indicate that it typically takes seven hours of listening before someone becomes invested in what you are saying or take some kind of action. Whether that 
be subscribing to a newsletter or becoming a client. So while podcast appearances might seem intimidating at first, they really are an accessible medium for connecting with potential customers and creating positive impressions. Last but not least, number nine, when you're creating content for a podcast, it's essential to research the target audience and what topics will grab their interest. Really understanding your listeners can help ensure that the content of your podcast is resonating with them and growing an engaged community. Additionally, staying up to date on current events makes it easy to add in relevant topics and stories on top of using the latest language keywords that reviewers are searching for. This helps boost the SEO value of your appearances, allowing more potential listeners to come across your episode when they are searching online. I hope you like today's episode. If you're listening to me right now, odds are you're frustrated by how healthcare businesses are running today. I'm with you. I'm looking to change the conversation that we are having in the healthcare industry. It starts with me, and it starts with you. I want to connect with you and get to know your struggles and success within the healthcare industry. Visit SabrinaRoundback.com/connect. Where you can send me a direct message. You know, I think there was there were a lot of things in there. I look at the chart of the desire zone because I was taking on too many things. I was doing too many things outside of my desire zone, and that allowed me to hone things back into the direction where they should be. What were some other things that we our first call that we ever had? There was a quote that you made you gave me from the Dalai Lama, and these are simple things. I did, but it was about gratitude, and it hit me at that time because I'd forgotten to be grateful about what has been built. You know, everybody around me that sees what we're doing, or you know, sees what I'm doing here, my peers and colleagues, and they're very grateful for what I've been doing. They're like, oh, "This is great." You know, would love to be in the position that I'm in, and I forget that, but I forgot it. So that was another one. And then, uh, what was some other stuff? I'd have to go through the list. I mean, there's, you know, the two minute reset stuff that we do. Margin, just a little bit. And we even you remember. I, so I, you know, been a big meditator for a long time, and, and everyone goes through cycles of this. But I was so dedicated. It was 45 minutes to an hour every single day, probably at night as well. And then in a busy lifestyle, you go, oh, can't do that. Then you start thinking, well, if I can't do 30 minutes or an hour meditation, then why even do it? But you're teaching people to do two minute meditations, which three two minute meditations throughout the entire day, you know, six minutes total. In my opinion, is better than doing 45 minutes an hour every other day. It just made more sense, and it was so much easier just to kind of center myself back in and go back at it. Okay. And one thing now, I'm gonna have to do a plug here. Is this? Yeah, and you know I was gonna do this, didn't you? <laughs> so this clock right here has been. You had. I don't know if yours is next to you or not, but you you held this up for me one day, and we're talking about time blocking. Yes, <laughs> time blocking and everything else. I said, well, where is that? So I bought it on Amazon, and it, you know it has the clock, the five and ten, you know, fifteen minutes and so forth. It is awesome. And so when I started using this thing, I started realizing, like, oh my gosh, when I when I'm actually tracking my time, I've got a lot of it. When I'm not tracking my time, even if you take a five minute break to surf the internet, that's fifteen twenty minutes later, the time goes fast. So it's been fan. I can get so much stuff done in a fifteen minute period. It's crazy. So come to sabrinarunback.com/connect. And let's continue the conversation.